You're listening to the Sermon Podcast from House for All Sinners and Saints. We are an Evangelical Lutheran Church in America congregation in Denver, Colorado, and you can find out more about us at www.houseforall.org. Grace, peace, and mercy are yours from the triune God. Amen. Uh, so, when Laura and I were in Florida a couple weeks ago visiting her parents, uh, their across-the-street neighbors always have this yard sign out in their yard that says, Wise men still seek him. And I always laugh at that and always kind of think, you know, is it sort of like, where's Waldo? Uh, finding him. And funny enough, somebody gave me for Christmas uh, a Finding Jesus book that is actually a Finding Jesus Where's Waldo. So... <laughs> Thought it was pertinent to this evening. Have not found him in all the pictures yet. Over the past week, though, uh, Harper and I, as a way of escaping the cold that Denver was experiencing, uh, went to the Museum of Nature and Science a few times. I'm pretty sure the docents there are sick of seeing me in the prehistoric journey exhibit because they have no answers to my questions about the Jesus Harper. Jesus horses, or as Harper calls them, dinosaurs. (laughs) This week, though, we visited the Space Odyssey exhibit, where I let Harper pretend to walk on the moon just as Neil Armstrong had. The docents in the exhibit were once again flabbergasted at my questions about where NASA has their soundstage for producing events such as the moon landing (laughs) and how they simulate weightlessness when we see astronauts on the space station. But I digress. One piece of that space odyssey exhibit where Harper and I, mostly I, had fun was where you get to launch large metal ball bearings at a bed of sand as a way of uh, simulating the impact of meteorites on the Earth. You see, there's this super cool camera in the exhibit that allows you to review the impact in slow motion and see how the crater is formed. To watch the sand be displaced outwardly in a wave-like motion is pretty cool. To imagine the same kind of impact on a much larger scale is both exciting and utterly terrifying at the same time. The ripple effect of that metal ball bearing's impact on the soil is something akin, in some way, to God's embrace of our world. As one writer reflects, God seems to do whatever it takes to reach out and to embrace all people. God announces the birth of the Messiah to shepherds through angels on Christmas, to magi via a star on Epiphany, and to the political and religious authorities of God's own people in visitors from the East. From a manger where a child lies wrapped in bands of cloth, God's reach God's embrace in Christ Jesus gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Jesus eats with outcasts and sinners. Jesus touches people who are sick and people who live with disabilities. Jesus even calls the dead back to life. Ultimately, Jesus draws all people to himself as he is lifted up on the cross. In Christ Jesus, no one is beyond the ripple effect of God's embrace. And so I feel the same combination of excitement and actually utter terror at this possibility. Excitement towards the idea that I could be embraced by the divine in such a way as to receive grace and salvation. And terror at the idea 
that that grace might actually change me and cause a disruption in my life. Now, before we go any further, I have one caveat to insert into the scripture passage we heard from Matthew today. Let me just say that I have a little bit of trouble believing anything about one wise man, let alone several, as the story seems to indicate. In my experience, men and wisdom don't go together all that well. (laughs) But let's get back to it. Now, I don't want to psychologize those magi who came to visit Jesus at some point in the years after his birth, but perhaps their journey might serve as a metaphor for what living in the midst of excitement and terror looks like. These wise or learned men from the East set out from what they knew, from their home, from what I imagine to be comfort and one, of one sort or another to follow a light that had risen in the sky. They followed a beacon in the sky in order to pay homage to the newborn king of the Jews in some far-off land, and in doing so, show us what faith looks like. Faith isn't some rote coming to church, following the rules, and being what we think God wants us to be. Instead, their journey to pay homage to the Christ child is one of treading through darkness with only the faintest of lights ahead to guide them. I wonder, though, how easily it would have been to turn back. How easy it would have been to be convinced that the darkness was too impenetrable to get through. I wonder how many nights those men from the east considered giving up because what surrounded them was nothingness and what guided them seemed too small to overcome it. I wonder how many of us are the same way. Ours may not be the literal darkness outside, but it certainly doesn't make it any less difficult to walk through. Our darkness might take the form of broken relationships or addictions or mental illness or lies we've told ourselves or so much more. The darkness we experience might be so pervasive and persuasive that we end up neglecting the journey. We miss the Savior and we remain in a place of tenuous comfort. The thing about darkness, though, is it isn't something you can follow like light. A man who's not quite old enough to be wise said to me the other day, you can't follow darkness, you can only fall into it. I'd add that you can be immersed, enmeshed, overcome, swallowed up, and a whole lot of other mean, nasty things by darkness. From our vantage point, the darkness is like the fire swamp from the movie The Princess Bride. When Buttercup exclaims, That's the fire swamp. We'll never survive. Wesley promptly retorts, nonsense. You're only saying that because no one ever has. (laughs) What holds us back is the fear that the light in our midst might not be enough to overcome the darkness we know intimately. God's light, though, is enough. In fact, it's far more than enough. God's light tamed the chaos waters at creation. God's light dawned on those who walked in darkness before us. And in the one we call Jesus, God's light has even taken on human clothing in order to be shared more widely. That light burns before us and behind us and within us. It is God's power for life and God's hope for the whole world. When that light came down, it started a ripple effect that threatened the way the world worked. It threatened all the institutions of government and religion because God chose a new way to embrace his children. God embraced not from a faraway star on the horizon, but intimately and deeply in our own form. 
God took upon himself all that makes us human and in doing so made a way for the darkness we know to be overcome. And so instead of focusing on the crap that surrounds us each and every day, maybe we're asked to walk like those magi did, toward a distant light in order to get to know the light of the world that comes and shares with us the gift of grace and belonging. Maybe we're asked to take one step at a time with the hope that our encounter with God's light might change us, and then, like those magi, send us home by a different road. Maybe, just maybe, we have to overcome whatever it is that tells us that the darkness is our home, and instead choose the new home of the community of God's children. Marianne Williamson summed up what I'm trying to say pretty well, and so I'll leave you with her words today. She writes this about our deepest fears. She says, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, and fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. And your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people will not feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It is not just in some of us, it is in every one. And if we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give others permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. So on this epiphany, on this waning day of Christmas, may we be liberated from fear. May we live in the light of God. Amen.